Sunday morning, we're expecting salvations. Amen. This is a great Sunday to invite somebody who doesn't come to church, who hasn't, go, hasn't been to church maybe in a long time, or maybe they're those people that go twice a year at Christmas and Easter. Amen. And then we'll get them saved and get them plugged into the Word of God. Amen. So this Sunday, we're going to have an awesome uh, kids program during church. With the, the Sunday school teachers have a great, act, great activities planned. And then at night, we're going to be having a church picnic. We know some people travel on Easter and go out of town, but for everybody that's staying in town, we're going to be having a picnic on Sunday night at 5 o'clock over at uh, Denia, right? Right across the street, just right behind this neighborhood. If you don't know, you can ask somebody, but you can get there by Frosty's or this street back here. And we're going to be having an Easter egg hunt that night at the, at the picnic, Okay. So all the kids can go out and find the eggs and the grass and all that. But it's going to be an outreach too. So invite somebody. Invite somebody with kids. Let them get out to that picnic and see what we're about and have some fun with us. And we'll do it like always. Just potluck. Just bring something. But we need more plastic eggs. If you want to help, and I hope everybody wants to help, we need more plastic eggs with candy in them. Okay? And obviously, you have to be careful if it's melted candy or whatever. you got to keep it somewhere until that night and all that. You know, smart on that. But we do need eggs. Amen? Then I'm going to be in the Easter egg hunt. Amen? That wasn't told to me. So, plastic eggs with candy. Amen? And uh, everybody that can bring some would be great. And then also, Saturday morning, we've got uh, outreach. Amen? Are we still an outreach church? We still go out, amen, and preach the gospel. How many know there's a whole lot of lost people out there that don't know Jesus? So Saturday at 10, we're going to be going outreach, and we're going to be passing out tickets for our concert and our movie premiere. Amen, that Chris and Laura have been working on a long time, turned upside down. So it's going to be a movie premiere and a concert, amen? And that is April 3rd. I was going to say 6th, April 13th, amen? Right here at the church, we're going to have a mixture of a concert and then a premiere, amen? It's going to be awesome. We're going to pack this place out, and God's going to get people saved that night. It's going to be awesome. So this Saturday, we got to go pass out tickets. We had a good group last week. I'm hoping for a better group this week. Remember we just read, beautiful are the feet of them who preach the good news, amen? Well, we got a young preacher tonight who's going to give you the word. So let's give a hand up to our young assistant pastor, Pastor Andrews. Thank you. May God bless you for that wonderful young comment. Yes. Well, it is good to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. It's good to be here and fellowshipping with you and learning about what God has for us tonight. And, and uh, I have a word for us. I believe that God gave me this word for a specific time. Uh, it seems like every time I preach... Uh, this thing burns with me with weeks and months before I begin to, to write anything down. So um, I want you to turn your Bible, if you have them, to, and we hope you do, John chapter 3, verse 14. John 3:14. Now, what I'm going to do tonight is a little bit odd and a little bit different. I'm kind of odd, my wife says I am anyway. I'm going to um, preach in a moment about 
love. The love of God. Amen. Powerful, powerful word. And, but before I do that, I want to continue on a little bit tonight what pastor has been speaking on, exposing. The dictionary tells us exposing means put a light on it. Amen. Put a light on it. So tonight I'm going to give you a little bit of information to end up that part of um, exposing uh, wrong things, I would say. And I'll start out by saying that um, anyone here has ever been, or raise your hand if you are, have been associated or associated with the Masonic Lodge. Good. You may have heard over the years a lot of negative, really rough, bad stuff about the Masonic Lodge. And you may say, what is the Masonic Lodge? I'll, I'll go into it in a little bit and try to dissect it and try to bring it an understanding a little bit of what it's about. The Masonic Lodge, if you go Google, it will show you and tell you in depth what it is. 33 years ago, I became a Mason. I don't have a heart attack. I'm not full of devil. But a lot of people think that a Mason is a devil. But let me, let me talk a little bit about what that is. Um, in, in the Masonic Lodge, you may hear that it's a good organization. It is. It's not a terrible, bad organization, except the fact that it is steeped in some traditions that are not really as they say. Now, I'm going to try to put this down a little bit to we understand. You may understand evil, but you don't know where it begins. So there's a beginning and ending of everything. And in the beginning of something that looks good or sounds good, it's always good unless it turns into something that could be bad. And in the Masonic Lodge, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight on it. Um, when I went in 33 years ago, I went in because my dad was a Mason. Um, it's an organization, secret organization. I believe Pastor talked about that. It is a secret society. Isn't that scary? I was a member of it for about 10 years. And my dad introduced me to it. Is my dad bad? No, he's not. My dad was a very saintly, Holy Spirit-filled, powerful man of God. But we didn't understand, and I don't even know if he understood, because nothing was written negative about the Masonic Lodge and in it of what the workings wind up being at the end, not the beginning. Because really the Masonic Lodge is built around King Solomon's temple in the building of the temple, the Masons, speculative Masons, they call them. But in this, it, it begins to get in further, and the more further you get into it, the more you realize, what am I doing? What am I doing doing this? I mean, I would go to the lodge every Tuesday night uh, at least two or three times a month, and we'd go have our meetings, and you have to understand this was a very secretive society, a very secretive we would go in, and, and even before you get in the lodge room about this size, uh, there's a lodge master. 
I don't believe that we're supposed to have masters except one. Amen? The lodge had its master. Then it had chairs that we all sit in, and then there was chairs next to the worshipful master. Doesn't sound good, does it, already? The worshipful master. You see, it doesn't seem bad when you first get in because it, you're, you're involved in all the workings and the mechanics of it. But when I realized what it was, and, it, and the Holy Spirit did this to me, no one, it, back then there was no, nothing out about the Masonic Lodge and being a Mason. There wasn't any Google. So no one really understood what it was about except the fact that a few began to expose it but never got any kind of publications on it until about 10 years ago or so. But when I was in the Masonic Lodge, which started in the 16th century, uh, it was an organization that finding out that it was not built on anything really good. It was a lot of bad time in the 1600s, 1700s, a lot of problems they had. And they, they, they come out with some things, rules, lots of rules and regulations and rituals. And in this, and I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time to make you understand, there are 6 million Freemasons all over the world. This is not a small little group that meets on Tuesday night. There's 6 million across the world. In itself, it is not demonic, but the, the way that it's done takes away from our Heavenly Father. It's not a good thing, really, and I don't suggest to, if you ever have an opportunity to, to do it. I would, I would say no thanks. Because if I, as I went to go to the lodge meetings, the Holy Spirit would, I was vexed. You know what that means? I was troubled because I didn't feel I should be here. So I quit going. In my, I never told my dad why. I just left it like it was. You have to pay dues every year, like a club. So I was going, and then I quit going, and he kind of wondered why, but I never did discuss it because I really wasn't understanding what I was going through. I was going through this kind of a, I got to back off. I don't like this. I'm not understanding. See, some of the rituals is that you go and kneel down to an altar. Now, this is not satanic, but I tell you what, I've never been in anything satanic, but I can understand when you go to an altar and you bow down. That's not an altar that's built for a purpose of, like we use an altar for. You go through different degrees. I went through one, two, three degrees in the lodge. That's as far as you can go in the lodge. And then you become a worker. You become, I became a chaplain. I became a, a marshal. I did all kinds of different things in there over the 10 years. But as I was, um, as I was going through the, the memory verses and the memory part of it is astounding. And I'm, I want you to understand something. I'm going somewhere that I want you to understand. This Bible right here, lots of words in this Bible. I was not taught as a child to learn scriptures now, I'm telling you, I look back today and I'm shameful because I looked at the Bible when I was a kid on Sunday. 
I didn't study the Bible. Therefore, when you grow up that way, it's hard not to be a Bible student, which we all should be Bible students. But to this Bible here, the first three degrees that you learn is probably, I would say, probably half the size of this Bible, half as many pages. You have to memorize word by word. You go in before a person and they give you drills. They ask you and you answer back, you answer, answer back. They ask you, you answer back. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. A lot of people just can't handle it. I was 29 years old. If I had to go through the day, I couldn't do it. It's too much memory. It's too hard. But I said that because I want you to understand that not only did I go through the Masonic Lodge, I went through what beyond that is called the Scottish Rite or York Rite if you're Jewish. The Scottish Rite. And then you've heard of the Shriners. I became a Shriner. And there's nothing wrong with what they do. The Shriner Hospital all across America have burn centers where children can be taken care of and, and if they raise funds for that and it's all good but in that part of the lodge as a Shriner and this is what blew me away because I, the Blue Lodge was pretty reverent but in this shrine it's a party it's a big party they go in and they have music and they do all kinds of funny things and clowns and all kinds of silly things they do and rituals and you get shocked if you sit down and you don't, uh, you, well, part of the ritual, you get shocked. That's silly things they do. They put an electric thing under your seat and you get shocked. And then you got to walk barefooted on the hot sand and tons of crazy things. But in the middle was the bar. In the middle of this, this lodge was a bar. You know, and I, I never drank a drop of liquor in my life. Never. My, my dad, when he was young, did drink some. But after he got saved, he never touched it again. And I, see, I, I love my dad so much that I began to just simply be obedient to what we were doing. I, I didn't argue with him. I was honoring my father. And that's okay. And if dad would be here today, he would tell you probably... Being he's been in heaven now for 10 years, he would say, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have taken the lodge because there's only one master. There's only one person we worship. So I wanted to give you that little bit of information to follow up on getting in something that you really don't know anything about. And it's not a warning not to join. The, part, the point is that you... When you first get in, it all seems okay. And that's the way he was, pastor was talking about the devil. He doesn't come up and slap you in the face and say, I, here I am, I'm the devil. I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to ruin your life. But he does it quickly and well, precisely, I should say, in places you don't really think. Well, you wind up going someplace you shouldn't have gone. You hang with people you shouldn't hang. But that's what happens. So I wanted you to understand that there is a real serious side about being a Mason that is sad in a lot of ways. But I repented, amen, and never went back.
I, like the song, I'm never going back. How many not going back tonight to anything? Amen? Not going back the way it was. But please don't look at me as a person who is still steeped in it and doing those things because I learned. And the Holy Spirit taught me. Amen? All right. You ready? Let me get there. John 3.14. Ready? And as Moses lifted up the serpent, pardon me while I put my glasses on so I can read. In the wilderness, even much so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him. Are you a whosoever tonight? He should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen? Great scripture. Powerful scripture. I come tonight to tell you that God loves you. He loves us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight, I just pray, Lord, that the words I would speak would be anointed. The words I speak tonight would be from you and not from me. I pray the ears would hear what the meat of this sermon's about. And I thank you for it. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the blessings you've done in our house tonight. And we thank you for all that you're about to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. God's love is referred to in the Bible 4,373 times in 3,893 verses. A very powerful word, love. Did you know that God sings to you? God sings. Got a beautiful Can you imagine the voice God's got? Ooh. Boom. Can you imagine? Zephaniah 317. If you don't believe me, look it up. Turn there, Zephaniah 317. Blow you away. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he even sings to us. Now, I love my wife, and every once in a while I'll whistle and sing to her, but I'm limited. But God, can you imagine? Almighty God, creator of the universe, is singing. Anybody got it yet? Zephaniah 317. I'm not going to turn there. I just want you to look it up and see that I'm not telling a little fib here. Does it say God sings to you? Anybody got it yet? Do you got it? Somebody want to read it? Read it, Paul. Amen. He rejoices over us with his singing. Wow. You know, when we look in the mirror, we see something. We look through our eyes. But God, when he looks at us, he looks with eyes of love. 
He can see right through us. He can see right in us. And his eyes are full of love. I forget who the person was, my sweetheart, that came up to you. The, uh, the, rap, the guy from Costa Rica, what was his name? Lucy B. He comes up to my wife and, and, he, and he ministered to a lot of people. But he looked at her and all she could say was she could see love, pool of love in his eyes. Isn't that wonderful? A reflection. When we get to the revelation of how God looks at us, we have a different way of looking at ourselves. See, sometimes we wind up kind of walking like this and we've had a rough time. We're going through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. But when you go through stuff, some kind of times you kind of, you kind of bend over and you kind of, you kind of get down on yourself. Anybody ever get down on yourself? I'm glad I'm not alone. But you know, when God, you think about how God looks at you. I began to look at my life a whole lot different. God loves me. He even sings to me. I'm bad. Woo! I'm glad that the most high God sings praises to me. The most high God Loves me. And I can look at myself total difference. I can square my shoulders back and say I'm a king's kid. Amen? Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about three kinds of loves. There are a lot of different kinds of loves. loves, And you may have uh, heard about these before, but I want to tell you a quick joke about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I found this to be cute. and I want you to laugh when I get done to make me feel better, all right? God created this beautiful garden in Eden. Adam and Eve were walking one day, holding hands and just admiring the beauty that God created all around them. As they were walking, they just were, you know, totally enraptured to how beautiful the place was. And, and, and Adam looks over at Eve and said, hmm, you're looking good, girl. Well, Eve looks over at Adam and says, you're looking pretty good yourself, boy. Eve says to Adam, do you love me? He says, who else? <laughs> Amen. The first one is eros. It's in the Greek called eros, E-R-O-S. It's a passionate love, intimate love, the, where the word, the word is derived from erotica. Erotica. That's one of the three. Eros. Philea means affection regarding friendship, loyalty to friends, family, community. It's the word where Philadelphia comes from. Philea in the Greek. You know, the Philadelphia cheese, you know, cream cheese. And uh, the city of Philadelphia. The next one's agape. And this is the one I want to talk about. Agape is I love you with a deeper sense of true love. Different than the other two, love. It's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. It also denotes love with children and spouse. 
You see, I met my wife and I saw her from a little bit further than this distance away. And true, true, this is true. I'm not making this up. I said, I like her. Not in phileo, he or her. I didn't agape her. But in some ways, well, I won't go there. But we developed a relationship. I really actually thought I'd like to go out with her first time I saw her. Woo. I'm telling you. God loves us no matter where we're at. No matter what we've done, God loves us. He loves the worst sinner. Now, I want you to think of somebody tonight that's the worst sinner that you could possibly think about. Not anybody in here. Don't be looking at your neighbor. How, how about um, Hitler? Pretty bad dude. Anybody else? Anything? You don't need bad people, do you? Saddam Hussein? Okay. Did you know Jesus loved him? And one day they all got to stand before God. And every knee bowed. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But you know, Jesus loves you too much to keep you in the same position you're at if you're lost in sin. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, declares he has an everlasting love. Everlasting love. Jeremiah 31, 3. He don't run out. His love is extravagant. Have you received an extravagant gift? Have you? Yes, you have, Jesus. We have all received an extravagant gift, Jesus. Amen? Don't want you to leave this place tonight without receiving your gift. The gift is found right here, down here. Amen? Don't leave empty-handed. God's love is immeasurable. How can you measure the love that God has? God's love is inseparable. Let's read Romans 8, 38. Get there if you would, please, and I'll get there as well. Romans 8, 38. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, not, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad there's nothing in this world can separate you from God's love? Somebody may run up out on you. Some relationship may stop. Somebody may leave you as a husband or wife or a friend. But God will never, ever leave you. Everything points back to the cross. Everything. Did you want to help me? Oh, I thought you want to preach something. 
I work alone. Just let you know, I work alone. Everything points back to the cross that God's done. Everything. The cross, the cross, the cross. Pastor will be preaching about the cross on Sunday. Amen? 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God, God is love. Think about this. This will blow your mind. This, I think, kind of funny sometimes. I have a funny sense of humor. But God is love, okay? Love stepped out on nothing and created the world, okay? And love created us to love and be showing love and love one another. Isn't that amazing how that God created nothing became something that we could step out on love that he was himself love and made love to be loved so we could love each other. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I almost lost that one. The book of John is a powerful, powerful book, and I recommend that if you're newly born again that you begin to study the book of John. In our classes that we've had back here, with uh, new converts, we, we try to stay in the book of John a lot because uh, John, the beloved, was a very close person to Jesus. I, I think he was perhaps the, the closest of any disciples that there was to Jesus. As a matter of fact, the, the picture you may have seen before the Last Supper with the disciples at the table, they're taking communion, eating John's leaning next to Jesus like, hey, I'm with you. They're like buddy friends. I mean, they, they, he was really close. And I'm not mistaken, I believe it tells me that the, the John's the only one that lived to be an old man that never did, was killed. Clinical tests tell us that we all need to be loved. And children need to be loved. Amen? Children that grow up with no love and affection begin to show signs of anxiety. Don't mean you got to give them pills now. Amen? We have a grandson that's uh, 14 who's been on pills probably since he was seven years old. He has anxiety and other problems as well. Lack of love and affection develops signs of anxiety, which turns into low self-esteem, which turns into a possible leading of suicidal thoughts. Bullying on the school grounds. They have found out now that bullying causes kids to be committing suicide. 20 years ago, from the age, it's doubled from 20 years ago, the age of 5 to 14 years old, kids taking their life. 5 to 14. Because they don't have love given to them. Now, there are several ways to show love. 
many ways to show love. One is to discipline. God so loved the world that he gave a paddle. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And we're always getting reprimanded and always getting corrected as we are as children of God. There is an old song that you may have heard if you have listened to secular music before. I don't anymore listen to too much. I try to stay real close to the Christian music. Every once in a while, my wife and I'll put on something about the 40s or 50s music. Doesn't mean we're that old. We just like older music. A guy named Huey Lewis. You ever heard of him? Back to the future, he said, there's a power of love. I'm not going to sing it, but it's called The Power of Love. And I read the words of the day. I'm not going to tell you them, but you look it up, The Power of Love by Hugh Lewis. It's amazing how many words, with just one or two words in the entire song, you could change it to be a gospel song because of the power of love. I thought how interesting to be if Huey Lewis's group's called The News. Hugh Lewis and the News. You ever heard them? Anybody ever heard? Okay. Well, there's somebody in here. Hugh Lewis and the News. And I thought to myself, if he gets saved, he could call his group Hugh Lewis and the Good News. <laughs> Love is one of our greatest needs. There was a gentleman called Nicky Cruz who was in New York City. David Wilkerson went there back in the 60s to minister and wind up going to gangs, and Nicky Cruz was one of the ones that came out of that, which started, uh, David Wilkinson started the, cro the, um, the Crossing's Witchblade was the name of the movie. Run, Baby, Run, that's another one. Uh -huh, my wife just got through reading that again. But the, the organization he started was, come on, help me out. Teen Challenge. But Nicky Cruz's life was lacking in love. So much that if you read the story, uh, it's, it's a very uh, sad story because his dad was a witch doctor. And his dad, they would lock him up in a, in a big uh, chicken coop with chickens and, and this demonic stuff that they would do to the poor guy. But when Nicky Cruz got saved, it was because of David Wilkerson pointing his finger and saying, Nicky, God loves you. God loves you. In that service, Nicky Cruz gave his heart to the Lord. But before it, there was a lot of problems. If you, if you not, have not seen the cross and the switchblade, uh, if you can run, baby runs his book, but if you can find that, get it, show it. I like to sometimes show it here. It's outdated. They didn't come to fights with guns. They had knives and chains and bats. That's a little bit more fair. That's a good old fight, isn't it? <laughs> but they would beat on each other since since they couldn't even stand up. A lot of them drug addicts. But Nicky said, because of that, I've heard him say it, because of that skinny preacher that said, God loves you, he got saved that night. Had been ministering now for, oh, 50 years. Still lives in Colorado Springs, matter of fact. I'm so glad that my heavenly Father loves me so much. Praise God. I'm telling you. 
My, my father, my earthly father, loved me. Other than getting me started in Masonic Lodge, he was great. Very godly man. Right here in Denton, there's a street called Dallas Drive. And there's a little street that's real short. It's called Highland Street. And it's a slanted street, probably from here to the back of the church, it goes on a decline like this. And when I was about four years old, I was riding my tricycle in my front of my grandmother's house. And I, I liked riding out there, and, and it was fun. I remember that far back. That's been a century ago. But I, I remember riding on my tricycle, and all of a sudden I lost control, and I couldn't stop. And at that time... Dallas Drive was a very, very busy street. I was heading for Dallas Drive on my tricycle. My dad, at the same time in 1954, had a severe back problem. He had to wear a brace. He was extreme pain with his back. But that day when he saw me go down that hill towards Dallas Drive, he said, I can't let him go. I got to run after him. And for some reason, I don't know how, I can remember that. I can remember my dad's brace when he used to take it off at nighttime. I remember him running after me. I didn't think about not getting hurt. I didn't think about it. It didn't even cross my mind. As a kid, you don't think of these things. But my dad, in pain, ran and caught me before I hit Dallas Drive. Thank God. You know, our Heavenly Father's a lot like that. He'll chase us down to make sure that we serve him. Amen. My earthly father made mistakes, but my Bible tells me that uh, in Matthew 5, 48, that we have a perfect father. Perfect father. My earthly father supplied most of my needs. But, however, in Matthew 5, 48, or Matthew 6, 31, 32, 33, says... He shall supply all my needs. Our Heavenly Father's faithful God who keeps His covenant, His loving kindness for a thousand generations. Friend, that's a long time. With the generations 40 years or more, that's a lot of years He keeps His covenant with us. We serve an unending, unselfish God that loves us. Jeremiah 1.5 says that he knew us before we're even womb, in our womb, mother's womb. He knew us. I got a feeling what he said was, it was love at first sight. Amen? It was love at first sight when he saw us. His love is supernatural, unmerited, and is very satisfying and very available. His love is always available. It's not put to a place where you can't experience it. It's out there so we can grab it. Tonight I want to show a video if we're ready back there. Are you ready? Okay, always ready. Good. We're going to show a quick video in closing. If the musicians would come up as soon as this video is begin to be ending up, 
This is a six-minute video. I think you've seen it before, but it fits so perfectly with my message on God's love that I had to, we had to show it again. Can we get the lights, or is that possible? Oh, thank you. story before we close out tonight about how powerful the name of Jesus is powerful Jesus can you say Jesus 
Jesus. There was an orderly, which is a person that works in the hospital. He does menial jobs of cleaning and maybe changing beds. Uh, not necessarily a nurse, but someone who can help the nurses. This orderly was in an insane asylum for the mentally ill. And he was working. And in this institution was divided over here was the ones that were kind of had problems but not severe. Then there was another area that was more severe and they dealt with some severe problems of uh, in their life and they had to be put in institutionalized. And there's one other place in the back that was for bad problems mentally. Severe problems. Where it was absolutely like vegetables. They would do nothing but sit and look at the wall. Stare. Not talk. Not smile. Just simply existing in a shell. This orderly went in one day. He just began working there. He began to sing a little beautiful song that we all know. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. As he was singing this song, he would sing it every single day because he was in that room every single day cleaning. Weeks went by and the orderly noticed in the corner there was a sound coming. And from the corner of the room it said, very quietly, Jesus loves me. And weeks went by and he just kept singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Weeks went by and he began to hear more over here and then over here and over here he began to hear singing, Jesus loves me. It was a short while later after he began to sing this little small, simple, childlike song. The story goes that months later, 98% of those people who were nothing but vegetables became totally healed. Totally healed. The 2% that was not totally healed was moved up to two levels more and were just about ready to be taken out and saying, you're free to go. Amazing. Jesus loves me. This I know. There's a song I love to sing or I love to hear sung. It says, Jesus loved away my sins. Jesus loved away my sins. Amen. Tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer, I'd like you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight.